Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Welcome those who are joining us online. Glad you can be with us today. It was at the end of the school year. Kindergarten teacher was receiving gifts from her pupils. The florist's son handed her a gift. She took the gift, she held it overhead, and said, I bet I know what this is. Some flowers. That's right, the boy says. How did you know? Oh, just a wild guess, she said. The next pupil was the candy shop owner's daughter. The teacher held her gift overhead, shook it. I bet I can guess what it is. A box of sweets. Oh, it's right. How did you know that? that the girl asked. Oh, just a wild guess, said the teacher. The next gift was from the son of a liquor store owner. The teacher held the package overhead. It was leaking. She touched a drop of the leakage with her finger, touched it to her tongue. Hmm, is it wine? She asked. No, the boy replied with some excitement. The teacher repeated the process, taking a larger drop of the leakage to her tongue. Is it champagne? She asked. No, the boy replied with some more excitement. The teacher took one more taste before finally declaring, I give up. What is it? And with radiance and brilliance, the glee, the boy replied, it's a puppy. Okay, well, we're going to be talking, I know this was a hard one to have a segue into my message, but I really wanted to share that one because I like that. Um, we're talking about, and I guess my segue is this, just because a child is shining brightly doesn't mean you're going to trust what they've got. Okay, there's, there it is. Uh, we're talking about light this morning, we're talking about Jesus as the light of the world, the theme is sharing your life mission every day. We're doing life together. And in doing life together, we want to share the light that God has given us. And you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there about light. And, and one of the ones I particularly like, I like the, the little jokes they have around how many people does it take to screw a light bulb, you know. And, and, and I happen to like those. And there's a number of them out there. And I'm not going to bore you with a bunch, but I do have a couple and you're going to have to sit through them. Number one. How many mystery writers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Two. One to screw it almost all the way in, and the other to give it a surprising twist at the end. Okay, I was just going to give you one more. There's dozens of these. How many NASCAR drivers does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They can only go left. Okay, I better stick to the scriptures. Go with me, please. John chapter 8, Matthew chapter 5. John chapter 8, Matthew chapter 5. There are texts today, and while you're turning to those texts, I want to draw attention to resources that are available. And these resources are at the Information Center. 
they're doing Life Together books. They're um, booklets that allow you to answer. They have information. You can chart at the back. You can do some charts regarding how you're doing. I went through these uh, six series starting last December. These are, you can follow this week by week by week. We are on one of the weeks in the first book, Beginning Life Together. And we're just covering the cost for these books. We have a number of copies of these. Uh, so the cost is $10 a booklet, and you can pick them up one for each session that we start into. Again, we're in the first session. They're available at the Information Center. Uh, they're a great resource to be, because here's what we're really working hard this season to do. We just don't want to teach information. We want to walk it through. Okay, that's, that's driving this whole, this whole season. It's not enough to teach it. We want to walk it through together. That's why we need to do life together. And that's why this is so important. We have resources again for you. You can get all uh, six books. Uh, it takes you 36 weeks. And each one starts off with the text. The two texts that I gave you, John 8, Matthew chapter 5, are the texts right here. Uh, I take them and I speak on them a little, maybe a little different, but, but they're the text of the book and they have questions and they walk you through. So uh, avail yourself of these resources. So I want to read this, John 8, if you have it, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew chapter 5, the second text. Verse 14, Jesus says, he's speaking to his disciples, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives, gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father in heaven, we do ask that as we look to these words out of our lives, you would be glorified. We ask in your precious name. Amen. Light, by essence of it being light, changes everything it comes in contact with, does it not? Darkness is not an entity of itself. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is an entity, but darkness is an arc. Darkness is the absence of light. And so in darkness, if you have deep darkness, then darkness is dark. Lori and I, years ago, were in the South Dakotas. We took this little excursion. We were driving through and we uh, went to the caves. We went 250 feet down into the caves. And he warned us. He says, I'm going to flip off. I'm going to turn off all our lamps. And you're going to be in absolute darkness, a darkness that you will feel to your bones. Because today, I mean, you can, it's hard to get into a place that's absolute dark. Uh, you have all these lights blinking at you. But 250 feet down in the caves, when they flipped off the lights, so then they waited for a few minutes and as much as your eyes tried to adjust, there was nothing to adjust to. It was darkness. There's darkness, darkness. Interesting, though, when you have light, light has different degrees of light, though. And it seems like you can be in a very bright room, but it probably can get even brighter. There seems to always be the ability to 
increase the light. It's one of the unique abilities about light. And even a little nightlight can significantly change and alter a room where you couldn't see around, you couldn't do anything, you didn't know what was there. Just one little nightlight and all of a sudden now you have your bearings in a room. It doesn't have to be a lot, but light changes everything. Light has the ability to change everything, increase it or decrease it. Light changes life. That is a fundamental principle. And Jesus, he gets up in front of, in, in John chapter 8, and Jesus declares that, I am the light of the world. Now think about these words for a second. We, we slide through them so slick, but the significance is massive. I am the light of the world. The world. Forget your bathroom where you have a nightlight on or the hallway. I am the light, the light, the only light. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever. He could have reworded that. He could have said, if you follow me, which would have been accurate. Whoever. It's a choice. You see, not everybody's going to go after the light of the world. Not everybody's going to benefit from the light of the world. As a matter of fact, many, the majority, will remain in darkness. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Have you ever been with somebody who has a flashlight and there's a group of you at night? You'd better stick with the person with the flashlight. right? Or maybe it's your phone and you're... Right? You better stay near them because they're the only ones that can see if the rest of you don't have lights. You better stay with them on the journey. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That's a bold statement. But we'll have the light of life. You know, there's been people say Jesus never declared himself to be the Son of God. Seriously? You cannot read through the book of John and get very far without seeing over and over and over Jesus declaring, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah, over and over again. And here, I am. I'm not one of them. I'm not a part of it. I am the light. I am the ability to see. I am that which will bring change to this world where darkness cannot stand. I am. Wow, that's tremendous. But we'll have the light of life. This is not just light to see you not stubbing your toe. This is light that will govern your life. Now, in order to understand this better, I thought I would explain the context. I hope it's okay because I'm going to take about the next five minutes, but I believe at the end of five minutes, this is going to be an aha moment when we come back to this scripture. Because we read through this scripture, but the scripture in its context has significant meaning. So this is chapter 8. Jesus gets up and he says, I am the light of the world. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you were to slide back to chapter 7, if you go back to chapter 7, the first part of chapter 7, and then there's most of our Bibles that has a heading. What does your heading say? Beginning of chapter 7? Beginning of chapter 7, most of the headings will be the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what it's saying. Celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, something like that, beginning of chapter 7. Let me talk about the Feast of Tabernacles because this is, this, is, this is significantly the moment that transpires here. The Feast of Tabernacles of chapter 7. Okay, when Jesus gets up and says this, I am the light of the world, he, the Feast of Tabernacles has just come to a close. So let's back it up, go to the front of the Feast of Tabernacles. 
What is the Feast of Tabernacles? Many of us here don't know what the Feast of Tabernacles is. That's okay. It's called by two other names. It's Feast of Tabernacles, the most common name. It's also referred to as the Feast of Booth or the Booths or the Feast of Harvest. The Feast of Tabernacles was a feast that was commemorated that at the time of Jesus, seven days they commemorated this feast and it was like an entire week. And interestingly enough, in Israel, the beginning of October normally is where this takes place. In Israel today, there are a significant number of Israelis who still commemorate the Feast of Tabernacle, Feast of Booth, Feast of Harvest. It's now called by a different name. It's, it's pronounced the Feast of Sukkot, Sukkot, which means booths. In ancient Israel, here's what took place at the time of Jesus. The priests would take four large candelabras. Each candelabra had four bowls of oil. The 16, four times four, 16 golden bowls would be placed high up in the temple in the middle of the city of Jerusalem. And when they were lit, every night they were lit, it was believed that all Jerusalem would have been illuminated by these 16 bowls lit. Now, I have to understand, Jerusalem back in the day didn't have hydro. They didn't, but what the people would do is they would put out their own sources of light, their own candles, their own fireplaces. And for seven evenings, the entire city... Now, you have to understand, old Jerusalem was not that massive of a place. But the entire city would be lit from these lights that illuminated from the top of the temple. The priests would light them every night. Called the Feast of Tabernacles. Very significant, the lighting of these candles. The annual Feast of Tabernacles was inaugurated by God. This was his idea. They didn't come up with this. His idea so that they wouldn't forget the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They would remember back when their ancestors, when they came out of slavery, they would for year upon year wander in darkness. And when they wandered in the wilderness, they lived in these temporary abodes. They were called booths. They were not permanent homes. The reason was, is that at any given moment, the cloud would begin to move or the fire would begin to move. If you remember the story, the cloud by day, the fire by night. And when the cloud moved, God was saying, you need to move on. And this would happen and they would continue to move for 40 years in the wilderness. So they only ever lived in booths. They weren't tents, they weren't canvas, they were booths. The only thing that was canvas was the tabernacle. And so in these booths, they, for 40 years, and in that time, they were commemorating that there would one day, in the time of darkness, there would come a Messiah. There would come the Anointed One, the one that would be the ultimate freedom of bondage. He would be their light in time of darkness. That's what they commemorated. Sacrifices were offered. Scriptures like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, where it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Seven days. Seven days that they would set up their tents. They would live in these tents. They would not go back to their homes. Seven days, these tents really weren't tents. They were booths because they were made of sticks and leaves. 
For seven days, they actually ate meals in these booths. For seven days, all, and it was not just Jerusalem. It was right across the whole nation of Israel. For seven days, the Feast of Tabernacles, they celebrated throughout the day with dancing and celebration because the Anointed One was coming for seven days as they commemorated this. On the final night, the seventh night, at the end of the celebrations, the candelabras were extinguished. And the entire city would, for a period of time, we don't know how long, the entire city would stand in darkness. They would feel the darkness of lightlessness. They were extinguished in the temple. The Savior had not yet come. The temple grew dark. And they would feel the time has not yet come. The next day, they would take down their booths. And so all this took place. Now we come to John chapter 8, verse 12. The very next day, after the candelabras are taken down, the very next day, the lights have been extinguished. The last day, Jesus goes into the temple. John 8, 12. Jesus walks into the temple. He stands right, be where, right below where the, the candelabras were. He stands right below that. He's surrounded with people who've just seven days have celebrated. And he stands up. Now let's read it. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now doesn't it mean a lot more? Doesn't this stand out? I am the light of the world. Everything they have been believing since the time they left slavery, through the wilderness, all those years of wandering, all those years of your wandering, today I announce before you the light's here forever, never to be extinguished. Wow, I get goosebumps when I think of this, the significance I am the light, the very court where the ceremony had taken place. I am the light of the world. This means that if Jesus is the light of the world, there's no reason you have to walk in darkness again. There is no more darkness that must prevail. He is the way. He is the only way. He is the light. He's not part of the light. He's not a little light. He's not something of the light. He doesn't simply reflect the light. He is the light. Not just for moms, dads, rabbis, Pharisees, scribes, pastors, evangelists. He's the light of everyone. He's not just the light of Jerusalem. He's the light of Canada. He's the light of Aurora. He's the light of where you are. He's the light of the world. He's also the light of the Antarctic and the, and the Arctic. He's the light of everywhere. I am the light of the world. Your choice. I am the light. If you follow me then there's no more journey in darkness. I am the light of the world. You know, we still do live in a world largely occupied with darkness. A world that does not have that light. That does not have a sense in that light, a sense of, of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace and fulfillment does not have that light. A world that is instead enshrouded with darkness. Darkness all around. And so we seek the light. We think maybe if we could just have enough money, we would have, an, we would have light and purpose. 
Well, money can't do it. It doesn't bring light. If we could be famous and, and, and everybody would know who we are and everybody would love us. But the light goes out. You heard the news, those who were ever James Bond followers. Sean Connery passed away yesterday at the age of 90. But no matter how famous you are, this body steps back to dust. Will light have changed the life? Jesus says, I am the light, and there is no darkness in me. You know, it's interesting. The word light can be both a noun and a verb. Both a noun and a verb. I am the light noun. Later he would say, you are light noun. But then he says, shine as light. Ooh, that's a verb. Action. Shine. So it's both a noun and a verb. There is a light. You embrace. But that light now is active. At work. And so the text here, sharing your life mission every day is about the light. It's about the power of the light. It's about embracing the light. But in this text in John chapter 8, after the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus makes this declaration. Now, starting at this moment onward, I am the light of the world. Follow me. Your choice. Follow me. You don't have to walk in darkness. In Christ, there's light. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe listening online, and you've not embraced Jesus as light. As a matter of fact, you could probably identify what darkness feels like. I invite you at the end of our time together this morning, we're going to open our hearts to that light. He who is light is here today offering us the light of life. But there's a second part. We go to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 14 from the message version. So it's a different version. But listen, I like it. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! <laughs> Exclamation mark. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I kind of like the way it says that. Remember our theme today? Sharing your life mission every day? Yes, Jesus is the light. Yes, I need to receive that light. And that's a decision to follow Him. Yes. Then... He will light my path and I will not walk in darkness. However, in having received him, he gives us his light. Matthew chapter 5, you are the light now. Now, not in and of yourselves because of Christ in you. He is the light. Now, you are the light. That light is reflecting through you. He says, you're the light now. You need to bring out God's colors. The world will not know. Him, if Christ in us does not shine. So that's why we get to that part in this text where he says, if I made you light bearers, don't you think, I'm not going to hide you in a bucket. I'm going to put you on a nice light stand. And when I put you on that light stand, your job is to what? Shine. 
Shine. You see, you have the capacity not to shine. It's not a given. You have the capacity to let the light diminish. There's all kinds of things in this world that will diminish your light. Be an angry person. Your light diminishes. Be a vengeful person. Be an unforgiving person. Be a bitter person. Be a person who spreads gossip. Your light diminishes. You're not shining. Be a person who's sarcastic, demeaning, mentioned gossip, but a whisperer speaking against others, malicious. Be a person who's addicted to something that is not of the Lord, harmful to you and others. Be any of those and more. The light diminishes, it diminishes, it diminishes. Is it any wonder? You see, based on the intensity of the light, others can see. And if others are not able to see, if the world is not drawn to Jesus, I have to ask the question, how bright is the light? Oh, how bright is it shining? Sharing your life mission every day. If people are not coming to Jesus, I'm going to suggest the light's not shining brightly. Because by essence of its nature, light attracts. And if there's not much light, we don't know where to turn. That's why Jesus, he made that great declaration in John 8, said, I am the light. Follow me. You won't walk in darkness. But in Matthew, he says, now you shine. Let me flow through you. Shine and clean up anything that diminishes the light. Let the light shine. May it so shine before men. It's a choice. Let your light shine. So the obvious question we ask here is, well, how do I let my light shine? How do I let my light shine? And I'm going to use this as an illustration. I had somebody come up in the first service and they were mentioning the full moon. Last night, the night before, Friday and Saturday night, there was a full moon. They actually called it the blue moon. Now, it's not because it's necessarily blue. It's a blue moon because it's on that infrequent event where two full moons land in the same month. We will not have another one of these land on Halloween, for instance, until 1939 or until 2039. In 2039, there will be the next full blue moon on Halloween. Now, we get them every once in a while, and it's not necessarily blue. You see the picture of a moon. Moons are interesting. They're fascinating. Lori actually on Friday night came and she told me, she said, have you seen the moon? And I was told Friday night was spectacular. It was so crystal clear. She said, have you seen the moon? It is so brilliant. Now, here's the reality. The moon... Is a big rock. It has no light. So what's the deal? The moon merely reflects what? The sun. The sun has light. The sun produces light. The moon doesn't. And yet the moon at nighttime on a dark night, a moon can actually radiate enough that you can actually make your way around without any other light from a full moon. Full moon just radiate. It reflects the sun. So we come back to the question, how do you let your light shine? That's the answer. Our job is to reflect the light of the Son of God. The closer you are, the more you'll reflect. So that's my job. My job is to be reflection, to be reflection. To be, that's how I do it. That's how I do it. 
Because I, I have no light in myself. Moon has no light in itself. This globe has no light in itself. Neither do you. But the sun does. Jesus Christ. And in him is the light of this world. And in him we shine. We shine bright. But it's in proximity to Jesus. Being the light of the world is like the story of a grandfather who was out for a walk with his grandson. The grandfather took his grandson for a walk in the woods. They had been walking for a while through the trees. They stopped. Grandfather and grandson sat down. The grandfather asked his grandson, Do you know where we are? The boy looked up and said, No. The grandfather proceeded, Do you know where we're going? The boy said, No. The man chuckled and said, Well... I guess you're lost. The boy smiled back at Grandpa and said, No, Grandpa, I'm not lost. I'm with you. And the story of the light of the world is when we're closer with our Father. We're not lost. We might not know where we are, <laughs> but He does. And we might not really know what the next step of your journey is. But be rest assured, he does. And as I stay with him, the light, I'm not lost. I invite you this morning as we close that maybe there is someone here. Maybe there's someone online. You have not embraced the light of the world. He is not your source of light. You've tried maybe other sources. But he says he is the light and he is him who is the giver of life. This morning, why, why, if you're here, why go through these double doors and not embrace him as the light of your life? If you're listening, why go through another hour and not embrace Jesus as the light of your life? Let us pray. So, Father, we just thank you, God, that you spoke so clearly. This text that you said, you are the light of this world. And that world includes us today, November 1, 2020. Those that are online, those that are here live. God, you have demonstrated yourself as the light of our life. If we would follow you, there's no darkness. So Father, I pray for any man or woman, maybe teenager or child, that is listening and saying, I want that light. I need that light. I need Jesus as the source of my light. Then we open our hearts right now to you. Let's pray this prayer together. Father in heaven, we just pray that right now, this day, this moment, this hour, early this afternoon, November 1, we reach out to you. Oh God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of that which has separated us from you. We declare you are the source of light. You are life itself. We ask you, come into our heart, come into our life. Lord Jesus, take up residence in me. I want to be a follower of you. I choose life. I choose light. I choose you. I don't want to walk in my own darkness, my own light, because there is no light. I desire to walk in you. I ask this in thanksgiving, with joy having received, the anointed one, the Messiah, my God, my Savior, my Lord, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.